I was here last week, and I heard Pastor Minister, he was dealing with um, the attributes of God. And um, I always pray and ask God for what, what is the spirit? What is, what is the pastor doing in, in that house, in his house? And, what, what is, and so I want to stay in the same vein. And so um, this morning, I, I ministered uh, a word talking about uh, that God is a, a problem solver. He's a problem solver. So we're going to try to stay in that same, uh, uh, same vein. Um, if we would go to second, let me put on my eyes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 1 and 20. Second Corinthians 1 and 20. If we can put that up on the screen. I have it here on my paper, but uh, if it's up there, okay. Come on, let's read that together. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. This morning, in the first worship, and I don't know what I'm going to do in the third one, um, but this morning in the first worship, we, um, we talked about him being a problem solver. But uh, grab somebody by the hand and look them in the eye. Come on, grab somebody by the hand. Now, let me, I'll teach something at the valley. Uh, demons can't look saved folks in the eye. So if somebody looking at your shoulder and your, and your shoes, you might need to move your seat. But look them, look them dead in the eye and let them know you saved. And say, I don't know what you're going through, but apostles got a good word for you today. The God whom we serve, he is, he is a promise keeper. Well, if you believe that, put a praise right there. Put a praise right there. God, we honor you, we bless you, we praise you, we thank you. We pray that you would release the anointing in this house. We can only make sounds, but you make sense. This is your house. These are your people. This is your word. Now bless them according to your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. This morning... We dealt with one of the attributes of God, that uh, God is a problem solver. And the point we were trying to make is that the people of God struggle in many areas because of an identity crisis. Oftentimes, we don't know who we be or who he is. So I reminded the people, and I know that they have it available. It'd be good to give, get the CD or the DVD so you can really meditate on the word that went forth. Um, but many times we, we, don't, we don't realize who we be, that we're children of the most high God. We're the king's kids. We're, we're the anointed of God. We are of the household of faith. And so the devil will always come at us to try to deny, delay or deny or distract or derail our destiny by us really not knowing who we are in God. But the most thing that he tries to do is he not only tries to rob us of our identity about ourselves, but he also tries to rob us of our identity of who our father is. Even in the temptations of Jesus, I talked this morning, that when the devil took him to that mountain in those three temptations, twice he asked him this question, if you be the son of God, 
then turn these stones into bread. If you be the son of God, then leap off of these temple and the angels will catch you up. Uh, the devil always gets his victory when we're not sure about our daddy's identity. And so this morning we tried to share the best we could that we can walk around with our head hung high, our chest stuck out, knowing that whatever problem we are facing in our lives, the God whom we serve, he's a problem solver. There was a scripture that we dealt with this morning uh, that Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, he said there is nothing new under the sun. And so we can be confident in providence knowing that God can deal with your problem because he can solve them because he's already seen them. There is nothing that goes on in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your ministry, on your job with your children that God has not seen before. He's not scratching his divine head trying to figure out what's happening in your life. He is a problem solver. If you believe that, put a praise right there. But not only is he a problem solver, in the second Rhema that we want to release among the precious people of God. My assignment in these next 30 minutes is to try my best to finally fully convince you that not only is he a problem solver, but he's also a promise keeper. 15 years ago, there was a mighty move in America uh, involving men. It started by a coach who was the football coach of the University of Colorado, a man by the name of Bill McCartney. And in that movement, that movement among men, it was called Promise Keepers. I went to several of the meetings. Matter of fact, uh, I was so impressed. I went to one at, 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 at Chicago uh, uh, Stadium, Soldier Field, and went to another one in Dallas. And, and in those days, it was one of the hottest moves in America. There were 40 and 50,000 men who would crowd into a stadium. Men came from all over America. And, and the whole proposal, the whole thing was to teach and to train men in the ways of God, that they could be a witness and a godly man in their family and in their church and in their community and fulfill their role as being PKs or promise keepers. Now here it is, 15 years later. The movement is still here, but it no longer fills stadiums. They could barely fill a church. And I asked the question why, and Holy Spirit revealed unto me, because man has a problem keeping his word. And when I'm saying man, that is a generic term. I'm not leaving you saved, sanctified sisters out. Man and woman has a problem in keeping their word. And what I found out is we see that daily in life. And when men and women fail to keep, our, keep their word, it causes the seed of doubt to make us think that our daddy will do just like men. But what we have to understand that the word of God tells us that he said, I am not man that I should lie. If I said it, I will do it. If I promised it, I'll perform it. If, I, if it's in my word, you'll see it in my works. I'll give God a praise in the house. We're saying it all the time. It's everywhere. People are breaking their promises. We are now in the political season. 
and we're hearing promises from men who say, I'm going to make America great again. Believe me. I'm going to build a wall. It's going to be high and Mexico is going to pay for it. And yet, promises are made by politicians to get elected and many times they never keep their word after the promises are made. We see it in marriages. You stand before the pastor and the preacher and you say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in life and in death. And yet, when times get bad, people get gone. I found out that years ago when the bride and groom uh, uh, used to leave out, they used to throw rice at them. They're still throwing rice, but now they're throwing minute rice because marriages are not lasting anymore because people are not keeping their word. It's happening in your family. You discipline your child and they say, Mama, Daddy, I won't do that no more. And they turn around and do the same thing. Fathers are saying, Baby, I'll be home in about an hour and don't see him in five or six. Women say, uh, 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 Baby, I'm, we, we got to save money. I'm not going to be at the mall anymore. And yet she goes on a computer and shop online. I wish I had a witness here. And so people are breaking their promises. But the great news I have for you today is our Heavenly Father never breaks his. He is a promise keeper. Come on, give God praise. Let's see if we can back that up with scripture. Malachi 3 and 6, put these up because I'm running here. Malachi 3 and 6, look what it says. For I am the Lord. I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrews 13 and 8. Look at what it says about Jesus. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And the reason why we can bank on his promises that he has something people of God call covenant. Covenant is the idea of God, while contracts are the ideas of man. God never breaks his word because God's word is God's word. I just said something. God's word is God's word. If God ever broke his word, he would cease to be God. And so he has to keep his word. So when he makes us promises, we can bank on them. If he tells us in our finance, I would above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, you can bank on it. When he says about your health, if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders. Let them lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I wish I had a Bible reader. When he talks about your enemy, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against it. No weapon formed shall be prospered. And listen, it never said that the weapon wouldn't be formed, but it did say that the weapons would not have any success. Listen, he talks about our problems. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he will deliver them from them all. Come on, give God praise and just tell somebody next to you, he's a promise keeper. But what we fail to realize 
And covenant is covenant in the Hebrew. It's a word called barith, which means a two-sided agreement. What the people of God so often, and y'all, I've been, I've been pastoring us for 35 years, so I know us. We want God to uphold his side, but we don't want to uphold our side. But in a covenant agreement, both parties must keep their side. His side says, no good thing will I withhold from you. Our side for them that walk uprightly before me. I tell my saved, sanctified, senior, single sisters who come to me crying, oh, pastor, you know, apostle, uh, we were dating and he broke up with me and he left me. I counseled him. I said, if he gone, maybe that was God's signal that he was a no good thing. Because if he was a good thing, God would not have withheld him from him. But my question is, are you walking uprightly before him? Come on, I wish I had a witness. Oh, God, we love you today. Many of us get mad at God and say he is not keeping his promises when the real problem is we're not keeping ours. 1 Corinthians 1 and 20 said the promises of God are yea, yes, and amen. God saying when I make a promise, when I say I'm going to do something, I will always keep my word. What I think we fail to realize is God's promises are not time sensitive. I brought this Frappuccino on Starbucks out for a reason. I may be drinking this before the next worship. <laughs> but it says on here, expiration date, February 15, 2017. What the maker is saying is that it's good up to February 17th of next year, but I will not guarantee it if you drink it afterward. And many of us think that God has a time sensitive on his word, but I want to tell you, if God said it, you can stand on it. It's not time sensitive. Just because he has not done it does not mean he still can't do it. Put a praise right there. So kingdom, I prayed about this assignment. I've only preached this message one time before the precious people of Valley Kingdom Ministries International. And so God released it. He said, if you, if you can release that at, at Valley Kingdom, you can release it at Kingdom in the Valley. Ooh. And what I ask God is, God, I want your people to leave out of here fully convinced that you're a promise keeper. And I said, Lord, I need an ironclad example to let your people know you'll keep your word. And I began to search scripture and I began to eliminate people because they were too high and lofty. I said, uh, maybe I can give them Abraham. And I said, oh no, oh no, yeah, Abraham made covenant with God, but I don't know if we can deal with Abraham because Abraham had the lofty title. He was your cut buddy. He was your road dog. He ran with you. He was your buddy. He was your BFF. He was called a friend of God. I don't know if we can handle Abraham. So I went and said, well, maybe David. And I said, oh, no, I don't know if we can deal with David because the Bible said he was a man after your own heart. 
And all the time, we are not always after God's heart. I said, well, maybe Daniel. I said, oh, no, we can't use Daniel. The Bible says that he prayed three times a day. And many times, we only pray Santa Claus prayers when we need God to do something in our lives. So I had to eliminate him. But then God gave me somebody. I said, bam! That's it. I said, yes. He gave me an Old Testament woman by the name of Rahab. Larice, know this. I ain't loading. When I do that, I'm saying, fasten your seatbelts because we're getting ready to go somewhere. Put up Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. Are we there? All right, look at what it says. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Arcadia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went, and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. That first scripture arrested my attention. And I began to see two things. First of all, I saw who Joshua sent. Don't miss this. He sent two men. He sent two men. Why not three men? Why not eight men? Why not 12 men? Understand, 40 years earlier, his mentor Moses had sent out 12 spies. Ten of them came back and said, the land is full of promise. There's grapes as big as people's heads. It's a wonderful land flowing with milk and honey. But they are giants in the land, and we be like grasshoppers in our own sight. But two came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb, and said, yes, that's true. There are giants in the land, but we'd be well able to take the land. So Joshua learned from his experience. Moses, because he sat it with doubt of the ten and not with the faith of the two, they walked around in circles for 40 years. Let me just tell you a couple of things. The majority you with don't always make it right. But the main thing is that Joshua learned from his past errors. And so he said, I'm not going to send out 12. I'm only going to send out uh, two. Because what we must understand is that you cannot make or should not make the same mistakes of the past as you are doing in the present. I wish I had a witness. You got to tell the devil, you got me with that back then, but you ain't going to get me with that same thing right now. You may get me with something new, but I've learned from that, and I'm not going that way anymore. I wish I had my gang here. Give God a praise and say he's a promise keeper. But not only did he send out two, but I'm going to have to ask this when I get the glory. It's, uh, it's where them brothers stayed. The brothers stayed in the whorehouse. Oh, y'all saved and religious folks, that's all right. 
I, I, I ain't making this up. Let me go back again. So they went and they came to the house of the harlot named Rahab and they lodged there. They didn't pass through there. They stayed there. I have no idea why they chose that place to hang their hat. But I do know this, that God can bring you out of where you are to take you where he wants you to go. I wish I had a witness. But the key to this text was Rahab. Was Rahab. Who she was. Y'all, she was a harlot. She was a woman of the evening. She was a whore. Oh, y'all saved and sanctified. Y'all knew that's what we used to say in the, in the hood. Matter of fact, we didn't even make it that formal. We used to just to say, oh, she's just a hoe. Excuse me still. That's what she was. She had a reproach on her character, but God gave me this scripture to let me know that even this woman with a reprehensible uh, a reputation, that God still kept his covenant promises to her. So if he can do it for a whore named Rahab, he can do it for the people of God and the children of the Most High God. Oh, if you believe that, give God a praise in the house. God's covenant is unfailing. The main thing that I read from the scripture is this woman didn't know God. She lived in the city of Jericho. She didn't know him, but she heard about him. Joshua 2, 9 and 10. Joshua 2, 9 and 10. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you falls on us and the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. I'm going to go pull up, uh, pull up uh, uh, 2, 10, and 11. But look at this. For we heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were of the other side. Next verse. Another side of, of Jordan and Sihon and all whom were literally destroyed. Verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither was there any remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is. He is. The God of heaven. What am I trying to say? That here is a woman who didn't know the God, who had not experienced Jehovah, but she had heard that He's a promise keeper. And so she said, if he did it for them, he can make a covenant with me. And yet we, the people of God, not only have we heard it, we've seen it. We've seen God open up doors. We've seen God make ways out of no ways. We've seen God save our sons and deliver our daughters. And still we doubt. But I believe there's a hundred folk in the house today and say, not only have I heard it, I believe that he's a promise keeper. I'll give him a Shabbat praise in his house. He's a promise keeper. Not only should you know it, but just like her, you ought to let somebody else know 
that the God whom you serve will keep his word. Has he kept any of his promises to you? If he has, put your hand together and give God praise. And so she did something. She hid the men. She hid them. Verse 12 and 13, put that up. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will show me kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Verse 13, this is what I want you to do. Because I've hid you when the king wanted to kill you, spare my father, spare my mother, Spare my brothers, spare my sisters, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. What she said is, I've kept my side of the bargain. I kept my side of the covenant. See, when you keep your side of the bargain, then you can go to God in confidence. But if you know you ain't done yours, then you come to the throne of gold, Timmy. But when you know that you've done what he said, that you acted like he acted, that you witnessed like, then you can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in the time of trouble. So she challenged those men. I don't know your God, but I heard he's a promise keeper. I didn't help you. The king wanted to destroy you. I've hid you. I know you're going to take us out. But save my family. Take care of my mama, my daddy, my brothers, my sisters. And look at what the men answered. Put up verse 17 and 18. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have sweared, unless when we come into the land, this is what you do, bind this line of scarlet cord in your window, who God, I'm going somewhere, through which you let down, and unless you bring your father, brother, and, and, and all your household into your own home. She said, take care of my family. I've kept your, my promise to you. Now have your God to keep his promise to me. They said, and they spoke for God. They said, because you've done this, what you're going to do is we're going to swear by our God that he's going to keep his word to you. But what you need to do is to put out a red scarlet. Rhema. Y'all. The red scarlet was not about a color. It's about covenant. Because God is saying, whenever I see the red, I'll do what I said. Y'all missed that. Let me see. Whenever I see the red... I'll do what I said. Y'all still slow. I believe this is going to Whenever I see the red, I'm going to do what I said. Y'all don't understand. This ain't it wasn't about a color. It was about a covenant. I don't know if you checked it out, but if you read Matthew to John, everything that Jesus said was in the red. So if you can read it in the red, he'll keep what he said. 
Why? Because he's a promise keeper. Why? Because he keeps his covenant. Can I back that up with word? Yes, I can. I'm ready for you this morning, kingdom. Exodus 12, 12 and 13. Exodus 12, 12 and 13. Look at what it says there. Read it. Exodus 12, 12 and 13. We got it. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment because I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over, and the plague will not be on you. You don't understand why you are here this morning, why you didn't crack up on crack, why you didn't die in that car accident, why you made back to the house of God. It's because he looked at your life and he saw the red. And when he sees the red, he'll do what he said. Give God a praise in the house. Come on, give him a praise in the house. Tell somebody when he sees the red, he'll always do what he said. Hmm. God, we love you. God, we bless you. God, we magnify you. I wish I had a witness in the house. Give God a praise in the house. Two more points. I'm going to go in the back and sit down so I can preach again. <laughs> they came in. Jericho failed. But her and her house were spared because they saw the red and they understood that God is a covenant-keeping God. I had preached from this text maybe 10 times in my ministry. But when I was preparing this for Valley Kingdom and for here, I saw something I never saw before. And as it has blessed me and the members of the valley, I hope it blesses you. Let me show you a juxtaposition of something that was very powerful. Look at Joshua 2.15. Joshua 2.15. Then she let them down by a rope through the window. Her, her house was on the city wall. And she dwelt on the wall. Y'all going to get it in a minute. Joshua 6 and 20. Put that up. Joshua 6 and 20. Joshua 6 and 20. So the people shouted. This is when they came to Jericho. When the priests blew their trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shouted with a great shout, and the walls fell flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and took the city. Some of y'all got it already. Uh, Joshua 2 and 15 said her crib was on the wall. But Joshua 6 and 20 said that when the wall fell, her and her family came out all right. Her home was on the, on the wall, but when the walls began to fall, her family made it out. What am I trying to say? say God is such a covenant keeper that when any walls start to fall in your life God will keep you God will preserve you God will take care of you it don't matter what's falling in your life it ain't about the fall of your wall it's about the covenant of your Christ somebody give God a praise you may have some things crumbling in your life but you're gonna be all right why because he is a promise keeper give him a praise in the house.
Come on up, praise team. I'm finished. I'm done. You can stick a fork in me. Walls will fall in your finance, in your marriage, in your mind, with your children, in your home. But just as long as you're under the covenant, you will be all right. Put a praise right there. Praise team, come. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Put up Hebrews, I think it's 6.13. Hebrews 6.13. Put that up. Let me close with this. If you were growing up and you wanted somebody to believe you, no shadow of a doubt. We all did. Whether we told our mama or our daddy or a friend, a homegirl, a BFF, we said and made a promise and we sealed it by saying, I swear to God. God is so sure that he wants to keep his word to us that his word is so great that he does not do it just for us. He does it for himself. And so he said, for when God made a promise to Abraham, take it down to spin, because he could not swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Kingdom, I leave you. When God made some promises to us, he said to himself, I swear to God. I swear to God I'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on me. I swear to God that if you give, it shall be given, pressed down, shaken again. I swear to God that if two agree, come touch it and agree and I'll be a God. I swear to God, if you bring your tablet to the storehouse, I'll rebuke the divine for your sake. I swear to God that you'll be the head and not the tail, above and not. I swear to God, no good thing will I hold from you. Why? Because he is a promise keeper. Give God a promise praise right now. He's telling you, I swear to God. Because he can't make no promise greater than the promise that he made to himself. If the word blessed you this morning, put a praise right there. Come on, put a praise right there. No, that's mighty weak. I want you to go around and hug two or three people and just tell them he's a promise keeper.